Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, wherever you are across this amazing country that we call home. And you're with Lyle and... Mon, good morning, Lyle. And I'm just going to ask you a question. Yeah. What are you grateful for today, Lyle? I am grateful that I get to come here and to talk to more people about Jesus on a breakfast show than I think anybody else. Oh, that's in Australia. Really good. Yeah. This is really awesome. Yeah, it's a good thing to Amazing. be grateful for. What are you grateful for? Well, actually, do you know what? The reason I asked, because this morning I was rummaging around in my closet looking for my favorite denim skirt, and then I thought maybe it was in my dirty washing, so I was going through my dirty washing, and it wasn't there either. Turns you know, out, I didn't go to dirty washing when you asked me <laughs> what I was grateful for. Was like, I'm not grateful for the dirty laundry, but I did find the skirt shoved in the back of my clean closed closet, and that's when I realized I'm actually really grateful for washing machines. I thought you were going to say you are grateful for your skirt, and I was going to say, yeah, I'm not grateful for that either. I'm just ha- I was just really happy that, you know what, my washing machine can wash my clothes in 15 minutes to the point where it's so quick I forget that I even did it and my clothes are already clean and waiting for me to wear them. Yeah, a bit different from back in the day when you used to have to use a scrubbing board. Mm, what are you grateful for? Give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, and tell us about your gratitude. No. Yeah, they can't no, tell us. No. Okay, fine. They it's can't It's a delay tell us broadcast. You can't tell us. Because it's a delay broadcast. You see? If you want to tell us, you've got to jump across to our live broadcast. That's right. How do they do that? Uh, by using faithfm.com.au and pushing the listen button or just downloading it to your phone. Or use the TuneIn app. You can use the TuneIn app. So you download the TuneIn app, totally free to download, and then search for Faith FM Australia. And you can listen to the live show and be part of the whole experience. You can get prizes. You can ask the question of the day. You can answer the quiz question. And you can tell us what you're grateful for today. Fantastic. Very good. Well, we have some amazing things coming up in today's show. We're going to talk about elephants and we're going to talk about smoking, a smoking mm-hmm. elephant, amongst other things. So stay tuned. Well, let's have a quick song break. This is Jaden Lavick. I Surrender All. This is a beautiful rendition of an old
You were listening to I Surrender All by Jaden Levick here on Faith FM. Monica, hmm. what's our quiz question for today? Oh, our quiz question for today. I'm just so hoping you're going to be stumped by this. I really, really am. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's unlikely see. because I am picking a pretty easy one. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> if I'm stumped by an easy one, then that's going to be super embarrassing. Okay. Who am I? This is a person. You are Monica. Thank you. Yes, I was confused about that this morning when I got up. No, <laughs> who am I? First clue is Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 tells us to fix our thoughts upon this person. Mm. Mm. Yes, I know this one. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. If you think you know the answer, 1-800-FAITH-FM or text us on 0491-064-669 and we will send you the prize. And do we have the quiz up on the Facebook page? We're going to have it up on the Facebook page very shortly. Okay. And also on the Facebook page, there is a photo, I do believe, of your amazing rug. Is that right? Oh, is it? Is it up already? That's nice. Know, it's up. not a rug, by the way. It's a throw slash blanket thing. What's the difference between a rug? A rug you stick on the floor. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't think you should walk on this one. It probably yes. wouldn't last a blanket. Long. I should have said a blanket. A blanket. Yes. Yeah. So what's the difference between a blanket and a throw? Throws are usually a little bit smaller. It can be more decorative. Um, blanket is... When like I think of a throw, I think of a, like a ball. Yeah, well, the, well, that's kind of like the idea behind it. Like you just throw this over like the back of a couch or the, the arm of the couch. You just throw it over the end of the bed or like, you know, throw it over your legs, your knees and stuff when you're cold. It's not as serious as a blanket. It's not as big as a blanket. Okay. It's basically an excuse to not to have to make such an enormous blanket. You call it a throw. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it is super colourful. So go there and have a look and check it out. Uh, Monica's amazing handwork. And <laughs> also uh, we were talking about the health benefits of knitting and doing things. Things yes, with your hands. So yes, I did things with my, my hands yesterday, but it did not involve knitting. My secret is out. I do crochet live on air. <laughs> I'm Monica, about to start Monica a new multitasks. one. Multitasks. Yeah, I'm about to start a new one as well. So it's going to be a little bit different color, but it, it is still quite bright. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And if you'd like a like, if you'd like a blanket, just message me. I'll stick you on the wait list. I love making blankets for people. I'm actually concerned that I might one day run have, out of people. Have patience. Oh, yeah. There are about twenty people there so <laughs> yeah. far. But um, certainly shoot us a message. We don't want Monica to ever run out. Hey, Lyle. Yes. If you were stuck in the desert, how would you get a drink of water? Depends what kind of a desert it was. A really, really dry desert. Yeah, that's the nature of deserts. Is there any vegetation there? Let's say no. There's no vegetation there. Well, I would start by... No vegetation desert. There's no way of getting water in a no vegetation desert. (laughs) Well, let me tell you some good news. Scientists have developed a device that draws water from the driest desert air. From the air. From the air. Uh From the air. Like literally from the air. And this could bring hydration to obviously really needy areas. I mean, you think of Africa, you think of Cape Town right now that's facing a a really severe and uh, very uh, urgent drought. Mm -hmm. This could really revolutionize... um, all those, all those sections of the planet where not only is there a lack of water, but the air is not uh, harvestable because they do uh, a substantial amount of um, water from the air harvesting, but it usually depends on the humidity. So, for example, um, extracting water um, from air 
with 100% humidity, you can do fog harvesting. And if you have like above 50%, you can do dew harvesting, refrigeration-based systems. I'm sort of thinking this is this is like a lot of uh, – you'd have to have a lot of fog to make yes. a few litres of water. Yes, that's true. This seems to be a very inefficient way of collecting water. But this, this, this is why this is so remarkable because this device can harvest water from air that has lower than 10% humidity. But is is that even worth harvesting? As like, oh, I got a whole teaspoon. If you're stuck in the desert, work. you're gonna want any measure of water. <laughs> well, this is I true. Mean, this is very true. They did, and they did actually. They tested this device uh, in Arizona, in Tempe, where they have like that. Those are the conditions. It's mm-hmm. like ten percent humidity. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, really dry. Um, and they tested it there. And obviously, the smaller device, the smaller your harvest. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just harvesting like with their test piece. They only devi- um, harvested like a few. You know milliliters, but they said is you know if you just build one big enough, you could you know harvest enough liters to supply a household, a domestic household. Okay, so when I cross the Simpson Desert later in the year, mm-hmm. is there a portable device that I can take with me so that I don't have to carry water? I'm not sure if they will be uh, that quickly ready. Like, because when are you going across the Simpson? October. Yeah, I'm not sure this will be up and running by then because they've just done the test pieces. Um, it'll be a while, before, I think, before consumers consumers can get a uh, copy of this. And then the cool thing is also because, I mean, you can imagine, right, creating or well, harvesting water from air mm-hmm. is going to take a lot of energy to, you know, to run the thing, yeah? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So this one doubles up because obviously if you're out in the desert, you can harvest the energy of the sun like no other uh, place. So, the, so it's solar powered. So it's sort of, you know, yeah, 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 it's yeah, a yeah. circle thing. It's amazing. I'm so impressed by it. My scientists sort of just... Humans are amazing. Yeah, yeah. We, we have been created as amazing creatures. When we use our powers for good, we can really do some good. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, and I encourage you yeah, The Bible you to talks do about good. this. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 19, God says what he can do, which is significantly better than what we can do. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the owls, that's the lizards, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen people. Wow. There you go. So God can God can make rivers of water in the desert. I don't know if this one's going to make rivers. Yeah, I don't think it's going to make a but river either. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Good thing to remember. Mm. Lyle, yes. I'm going to ask you something else. Yes. If you found a lottery ticket. Yes. And no one's name was on it. No one had signed it or anything. Would you keep it? Um, that would probably be the dishonest thing to do, wouldn't it? So no, I would. Well, I mean, it'd be very anything. difficult to find the owner, right? It's a bit like just imagine. Well, like, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Do you find, find the owner to a lottery ticket? If you find five dollars blowing down the street, no one's around you. How are you going to find the owner? You're not. Exactly. So I keep it. Exactly. So you would keep the lottery ticket? I've never bought a lottery. I don't even know what they look like. They, they don't have names on them? I think it's a slip of paper. No, it doesn't have a name on it. You can put a name on it just in case you do I have a f- philosophical objection to lottery tickets because the lottery is designed to make money, not lose mm-hmm. money. Which and it means that It means that I'm going to lose money and they're going to make money. Well, let me tell you about a gas station clerk, so a servo, servo person mm-hmm. in Kansas. They found a lottery ticket on the floor of the petrol station and he checked, didn't have any names on it, nothing whatsoever. And he was like, oh, let me see if this ticket has won anything. Turns out it had won a million dollars. A million dollars. But this guy, do you know what? He wasn't, he was concerned that, you know, 
he wanted to do the honest thing. Mm-hmm. He knew that this was this belonged to somebody, and so he actually he went to such extent to find the owner because I think on the back it's printed like when the ticket because it print it prints out a new ticket. It's like a machine. It prints okay. out a lottery ticket. So he was able to cross reference. Yes, yeah, so, and because he was the owner of the store, he was able to look it up, and then you know he With a timestamp. Yeah, and then he, they um. They had to ask another store as well because it came from a different store, it turned out, and so they had to like go to that store. and find- They ended up finding the owner and returning their million-dollar winning lottery ticket to them. I'm not sure I would have done that because when he realized it was a million bucks, he could have signed his own name on there and said it was his and, you know, been sitting pretty. But he was more concerned with I'm doing the right impressed. thing. I'm super impressed. Doing the right thing before impressed. God. That's a lot of, that's a lot of um, effort to go to try and track somebody down. And to ensure that you actually have the right person. Does the Bible say anything about, you know, if you do the right thing here on earth, even if it's a little bit painful, will the Lord reward us? The Bible talks about treasure. It says, lay up for you, this is Matthew 6, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and where thieves don't break through and steal. So the Bible says we're to put our treasure in heaven. And the way we put our treasure in heaven is by living honestly here on this earth. And this is a person who has certainly gone the extra mile, and if not the extra 10 miles, to be a very, very honest person. I'd say they're laying themselves up, laying up for themselves treasure in heaven. In With doing character, so. good Absolutely. character. Oh, good story. If you've got a lot of ticket that you don't want anything to do with, maybe you can give it to me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Now we're going to have a song break. This is Melissa Otto. He is wonderful. Knowing my heart's cry for freedom. Longing to flood your love into the pain of emptiness To open my eyes to unquenchable love that gave Everything for my freedom, even my Saviour's blood He is wonderful, no like him his love unfathomable no myself in vain You came to me with your own white garment You came to me by your sacrifice He is wonderful No one is like Him His love up on me by now but you were right here you stayed right here your love goes deeper than I ever knew from the dark depths of despair love lifted me he is 
Listening to Melissa Otto. He is wonderful here on Faith FM. And Monica, what's our next clue on our quiz this morning? Mm, who am I? If you think you're the answer, let us know. First clue was Hebrews 3 1 tells us to fix our thoughts on this person. And the second clue is from Isaiah 7, verse 14. And it says, Isaiah speaks the truth about my birth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you think you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. You can get a copy of The First Lie, a book by Barbara M. Weimar. Mm, sounds fascinating. First lie. The first lie ever told. What could that lie possibly be? And who is it that we should fix our eyes on? And who is it whose birth was prophesied? Mm, by Isaiah. By Isaiah, indeed. Okay, so let's um, let's talk about elephants, Monica. Yeah, what was this story about elephants? I'm super excited because I really like elephants, and a lot of my friends love elephants. So, have you ever smoked? Does a de- Grassini count? What's, I don't even know what that is. So, when I was a little girl, we had these Grassinis, which are breadsticks. And sometimes I thought I'd be really clever and like try and light the end of the breadstick. <laughs> yeah, you tried to smoke a breadstick. <laughs> I wasn't really smoking it. I was just I was blowing through it so smoke oh, would come out the maybe, other end. So maybe you like have it. maybe you have tried to smoke something unusual. We would love to hear that story here on Faith of M. Just give us a call on one 843 or give us a text message zero four nine one zero six four six six nine on the open line number and let us know what strange thing. See if you can see if you can top Monica. As a little girl trying to smoke breadsticks. I just want to clarify. I didn't realize you had to inhale. I didn't realize that was smoking. So I was blowing through the breadstick to make oh, the smoke so you, rise. Because so I figured, you didn't no. inhale. So that makes it all right then. Yeah, because I saw so, on like so, movies so and TVs people smoking. Did George Bush say that he didn't didn't inhale? Oh, sh- <laughs> I just I just saw on movies like smoke coming from the end of a stick. So I thought the way you get smoke to come out is you have to blow. I didn't realize it. Yeah, anyway, that was the extent of my smoking How career. How old were you when you smoked oh, a breadstick? Maybe like 10 or something. <laughs> but I do, I, do remember, I do remember thinking it smelled real bad. <laughs> Cured forever. I've never tried it. Never, ever tried Good. it. To me, it was always like the dumbest thing. It was like, mm-hmm. why? Whenever I'm sitting around a campfire, I'm always trying to avoid That's the smoke. That's true. It's true. Why would I stick one in my mouth? Yeah. I'm like, this is just dumb. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> it smells terrible. 
Anyway, so, an elephant. Please don't tell me elephants have started smoking. Has been caught smoking. What? Yes. How is that even possible? Yes. It can't fit a cigarette between its... Yes. It doesn't have fingers. So, Vinay Kumar, a scientist from the Indian branch of the Wildlife Conservation Society, shot a video... Of an elephant smoking. Now, what had happened was that uh-huh. um, a fire, a bushfire had recently gone through. There was a large bed, bed of ash and he was able to observe the elephant uh, first ingesting the ash and then puffing it back out its trunk. And as the ash came out, it looks like puffs of smoke coming out of its <laughs> trunk. So it kind of looks like a steam train. Yeah, kind of like a steam. <laughs> uh, if an elephant, if an elephant can look like a steam. What train. happened? Did it get himself addicted to smoke? Because I know it's addictive. Did it, is the elephant? No, the elephant just sort of did it for a little while and then just wandered away and did its own elephant thing. You know, as pachyderms do. Are we sure it was having a cigarette break? Uh, well, okay. So this is the big question that is being asked by wildlife experts from around uh-huh. the world: was what was the first time this has ever been observed, mm-hmm. and what was the elephant trying to accomplish? Now, of course, it wasn't actually smoking because it wasn't smoke; it was ash, and it was eating it. Did you say yes? I'm not sure ingesting <laughs> would count as smoking. Well, right? because it's sort of you know how elephants they suck it up into their trunk first and mm-hmm. then blow it into their mouth and all mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So when it blew it out, it looked like it was just an <laughs> elephant smoking. <laughs> oh, okay, so they do know that monkeys in Zanzibar use charcoal to self-medicate. Oh, I see. And so they're wondering whether the elephant had something wrong with its digestion or uh-huh. um, it was passing too much wind maybe uh-huh. or something like this. Who knows? That is very clever. And why? whether this was a reason as to why it was actually using charcoal. So I understand that you know activated charcoal, that's the kind of charcoal you get from oh. your chemist or from a health mm-hmm. food shop, is actually has health benefits. Can One you comment of, on that? What, to be honest, Lyle, I have used charcoal so many times to fix so many ailments. Charcoal, I should, charcoal mention, I should mention that Monica has spent the last couple of years working in a health institution. Yes, yeah, health institution. Natural remedies. Yeah, natural remedies, natural therapies, and activated charcoal powder. You can get it in pills and tablet form as well, but it is one of the most wonderful and versatile natural therapies. It's gentle, it's safe, and its power lies in its absorption. So it's one of the most highly absorbing substances on the face of the earth. Most powerful clinical absorption. Yes, and it's quite intelligent. So um, it's actually the go-to treatment for hospitals when it comes to um, toxicity uh, cases. So you know, if you get a snake bite, if you know spider bite, yeah. they have. My dog got bitten by a snake the other day. Yeah, and he just whacked him full of charcoal. We just whacked him full of charcoal, and, and he, he was good as gold. Pretty dodgy for a couple of hours, and then he came good. Yeah, and uh, you know, because they have what they call a sea patch, which is a, a a patch that you can stick on your skin, a bit like a band aid, and it's got charcoal in it and absorbs toxic out, so t- poisons and toxic. You can use it um, even for just stuff like if you if you're a bit gassy, because it absorbs the gas in your stomach. In fact, um, I went time I was living in a share house, and we had a bit of a smelly toilet situation and so we just got a saucer and just sprinkled some charcoal powder onto the saucer and placed it on the uh, on the cistern in the toilet and the charcoal absorbed the stink in the loo and uh, yeah naturally fix that up you but go. you can use it for all kinds you can use it topical you can ingest it it's it's seriously worth looking into you can people eat these days even use it as a face mask they mix it with glue would you believe glue glue smear it on their face I'm sure they're not um, just wanting to sniff glue <laughs> no 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 and uh, and then they peel it off and the, and the, you can see the charcoal has absorbed the gunk out of your pores so yeah it's very powerful and yes, amazing stuff I could talk for hours about how good charcoal is. <laughs> charcoal, and ch- do you know what? I often tell people when I go traveling, the number one thing I take with me is charcoal. I would sooner leave my credit card behind than leave charcoal behind because when you're traveling and you get some tropical thing in your stomach and 
you can't get off the toilet or you're vomiting, charcoal, 15 minutes and you'll be good as new. Yes, I do remember. I have vivid recollections of uh, spending some time in Papua New Guinea and longing for some charcoal. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Other things were just not working. But we're pretty to temper our advice by saying charcoal and activated charcoal are different things. Don't just go pulling okay. a chunk of black... Because I was thinking about this, I'm thinking, okay, if charcoal is good, then smoke is good. So then, why no, isn't smoking it's a good very thing? Different. Activated charcoal, it's uh, it's prepared quite specifically, so it's often buried underground, so it doesn't get oxidized, mm-hmm. and uh, and then that way it becomes the good properties that we know of charcoal, um, activated charcoal. But if you just like get a match and burn your match and then try and eat the little black stick, you're actually eating a carcinogen. Okay, so and that's what different. you get when you're smoking. So mm-hmm. smoking is obviously a very, yeah. very dangerous thing. Yeah. And don't and, don't uh, eat your burnt toast thinking that you're getting charcoal. That is char and that is also carcinogenic. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. so burnt toast is not such a good idea either. I was actually looking at smoking because I'm thinking, wow, elephant smoke. Um, <clears throat> and Australia, we're down to around 12% of our population who... Uh, still smokes. So that's a good a good direction to be good. going. Yeah, yeah we're, we're kind of leading the world in that area. Um, unfortunately, amongst our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander population, it's um, at around forty two percent, which is um, uh, just terrifyingly high. What is the What does the Bible say about smoking? Well, you know, the Bible doesn't address cigarettes because they weren't invented back then. Mm. The Bible does address the use of recreational drugs. And, of course, smoking is a recreational drug. Uh, The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verse 18 has this interesting passage. It says, Lest there should be among you a man or a woman or a family or a tribe whose heart turns away from the Lord our God and goes and serves the gods of these nations. In other words, the idols of the surrounding nations. Lest there should be among you a root that bears gall or wormwood. And so here it likens gall and wormwood to idolatry. Mm. And the use of gall and wormwood, of course, uh, is not that dissimilar to the use of nicotine because, you know, one is a poisonous and bitter herb and the other, of course, is an opiate. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible is like, okay, when you, if you're going to use this kind of uh, drugs, it's the equivalent to idolatry. Well, we're going to take a quick song break. That was very enlightening. So this is Michael Card, the gentle healer. And after that, we're back with a great guest interview. The gentle healer came into our town today He touched blind eyes and the darkness left to stay But more than the blindness, he took their sins away The gentle healer came into our town today The gentle healer came into our town today He spoke one word that was all he had to say And the one who had died just rose up straight away The gentle healer came into our town today Oh, he seems like just an ordinary man With dirty feet and rough but gentle hands But the words he says are hard to understand And yet he seems like just 
an ordinary man. The gentle healer, he left our town today. I just looked around and found he'd gone away. Some folks from town have followed him, they say. That the gentle healer is the truth, the life, the way. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 and 88 right across Australia. And I have a special guest who is joining me on the phone, Rui Coelho. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you, Lyle, and thank you, Monica. Yeah, it's great to have you on a, a part of our show today. Now, Rui, as we get started, I just wanted to hear a little bit of uh, your story. Now, whereabouts is it that you originally come from? I'm originally from a little island called the Madeira Islands, uh-huh. and it's uh, in the Atlantic, just off the coast of Morocco, between Morocco and Portugal, and it's a Portuguese island. There you go. I don't think I've... So exotic. Yeah, I've never, I've never interviewed anyone from Madeira before, so hey, that's uh, pretty Rui, cool. Hey, is that where Madeira cake comes from? <laughs> yes, it is, but the Madeira cake that you buy in a shop is nothing like the original Madeira cake. Do you know how to bake it? Could you send us a slice? <laughs> yeah, you see here on Faith there. FM, we, we, we get all kinds of uh, perks, you know. <laughs> cake should be one of them. Uh, yes, okay. I, th- I think they're uh, famous. Something, for... can be, something can be organised. <laughs> oh, good. Fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Hey, Rui, we just wanted to hear a bit of your, um, your personal story as we got started today. And um, um, so you're coming from Madeira. What, how old were you when you came to Australia? I was 10 years old when I came to Australia, and that was 48 years ago. Oh, there you go. So letting out some secrets there. But um, what, what, obviously you came out here with your parents and that kind of thing. What motivated them to move to Australia? Well, Portugal was at war, and um, there was conscription, mm-hmm. and we could not leave the country after we were 12 or 13. The male would have to serve in the army, so that had to get me out of there before I was 12. That's wow, that's so pretty heavy. Young. Yeah. Does that mean you have to you have to um, actually inscribe in the war at that age, or do you like wait till you're 18 before you can actually go do that kind of no, thing? No, you, you wait till you're 17, 18, but you cannot leave the country until wow. you've served. That yeah. must be frightening for little boys to know that they're sort of stuck there. <laughs> yeah, particularly particularly during a, a, a time of war. Mm. But um, yeah, okay. So your parents moved out here to Australia. Now, did you grow up in a Christian home? I was grew up in a Roman Catholic home. In fact, I went to a Jesuit college for four years, mm-hmm. and it was a boarding school. And I um I went to mass seven days a week, so we had a heavy Christian upbringing. Now, was that here in Australia uh, or? No, in, that was in Portugal. That was in Portugal. In yeah, Portugal. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, so we have somebody on. We have a. We are interviewing somebody who was Jesuit <laughs> trained. I don't know. This is two firsts for today. But um, yeah, okay. So you were a very devout Roman Catholic then. Um, mass every day of the week. Um, you come here to Australia. I imagine that the uh, environment here in Australia would have been very, very different to what you were used to, particularly spiritually. Yes. Um, growing yes, up, yes, it was very, it was very different. One of the things that that I um, uh, did in Australia that I had never done before was that we I uh, began to read the Bible, which was something that I had never even seen as a Roman Catholic. Oh wow! Um, what so what what started you reading the Bible? Hang on, you went to mass seven days a week and never read a Bible. Never read a Bible. Wow. Had never even seen one. Wow. 
That's remarkable. Some, yeah, yeah. Just Keep somebody, going. somebody offered us a Bible, and we started reading it. My dad started reading it, and he started reading it to us. And um, I and I met some people, and they emphasised the the point that I could talk to God directly, something that I'd never actually done. Okay, so how old how old were you when when this happened? About twelve years old. So this is just a couple of years after you arrived in Australia. Yes. Yep. Now, just to, just backing up very quickly, did you have to learn English when you arrived here, or did you? I did. It was a difficult part of my life in that I had to go to school without speaking a, a word of English, oh, and wow. so I had to learn. It was a difficult. It was a difficult transition, especially when you just when you within a year of getting here, two years I was in high school, and we had to do all the high school work and without an without an English background, that was very difficult. What yep. what language do you speak in Madeira? Portuguese. Oh, Portuguese. Okay. Well, we speak Portuguese, but but most people from Madeira can speak Spanish and Italian as well, and French. So um, that's just because we're educated that way. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it sounds like you had every language that you needed, except the one that you really needed. Yes, that's right. Okay, so you're you're 12 years old. You start reading the Bible for yourself, and somebody introduces you to this concept that you can actually talk directly to God. That must have been, I'm thinking, a new thing for. Or, uh, a Roman Catholic? Yeah, it's very liberating in that you know now you have a personal God you actually can contact directly and he can speak to you through his word. That may sound to, to everyday Christians, that may may be a duh moment, but not for somebody who's grown up as a Roman Catholic because we we confess our sins to a priest. We All, all the mass, the receiving Christ, the whole thing, the Eucharist is all uh, given to you by someone else. It's not something you experience personally one-on-one with God. So a personal relationship relationship with God. While it has become a cliche, it was very real to me. Sure, sure. And you, you're developing this relationship at, at 12 years old. How long of a period? Was this something that sort of like it was bang one day, um, you gave your heart to God, you had a conversion experience and you went out on fire? Or was this a process where you actually learned to get to know God? It was a process and it wasn't mm-hmm. until I was 17 that I decided to actually be baptized again for the second right. time yeah. and actually um, have what they call a walk with God and a personal relationship with God. Yes. Sure, sure. Okay, so since the age of 17, uh, how, has this, how has this impacted your life, having a personal connection with God? Well, you get you Christianity has a, a lot of ups and downs. You find some you you break away from school and then you have to live a life and then there's this constant struggle between your Christianity and um, trying to live a life and trying to find your path and all that. So you have your ups and downs and everything. But sure. God becomes real to me in a much deeper way when I'm in twenty one, twenty two and I start a love affair with trying to know what exactly was it that God did that I should fall in love with him for. And I struggled with trying to understand the dimensions of Calvary and what is it that God did that actually that required in order to atone for my sins. So it started a love affair with the Bible and reading and knowing God and knowing the beauty of of his sacrifice, and, and that and that was a process, and it's taken me really on a forty-year journey because I still study that subject, and I'm currently writing a book. I called an eternal love affair on on the very dimensions of Calvary. Mm, mm. When will that be available? 
uh, probably by the end of the year I will have it finished and then we'll we'll look about publishing next year, 2019. Mm, I'd love to read that. What is it, what is it about the cross and, and Calvary and what Christ did for us there that impacts you the most? Well, it was the selflessness of what was demonstrated there. I've, I, like everyone else, we're all sin damaged and we have our views and we tend to see God through our eyes. And our eyes are quite self-centered and to find an actual act mm. that is totally self-emptying, that it has no hint of self at all and it's totally for others. And the, um, the dimensions of it, it, that it was an eternal sacrifice, has really impacted on my life. It actually has said to me that here's somebody that's the best of all of us mm-hmm. and that is worth loving. Mm-hmm. And so I've actually been able to love God free from any enticements, whether it be heaven or missing out on, on eternally being lost. Outside of all that, I actually have found the being that is worth loving. And after studying this in depth for the last 40 years, after writing a book on the subject, or in the process of writing a book on the subject, do you think you have mastered an understanding of everything that there is to know about the plan of salvation and the love of God? <laughs> no. <laughs> I kind of suspected that might have been the case. Constantly learning every day, you know. Yeah. Constantly learning every day about, about Him and constantly learning on how to give you know, to surrender in a more meaningful way and to live in a more meaningful way. Sure, know? sure. Now, you've I done... Still live in the real world, Lyle. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have two two little children. Uh-huh. I have... I have... We live in the real world. You know, we've got businesses. I, I lecture at a university in business management. I still live in the real world, so it's it's... It's a transition. Sure, sure. Now, I, you know, with your lecturing and your business and so forth and all that you're doing, I imagine there's many opportunities there that you have to witness for God. But you're also involved in other projects at various times um, in actually sharing Jesus with, you know, the wider community. Could you share a little bit maybe about uh, some of the things you've been involved in recently? Yeah, look, the last seven years we decided we wanted to do more than just study for ourselves i we i started um doing evangelism and i started going to all over the world actually it, it started with by an invitation but now we we go three times a year mm-hmm. to to either europe or asia or africa predominantly africa mm-hmm. and we run evangelistic crusades and during the last seven years we've baptized two thousand twenty two thousand people and we've um, and that has included a lot of Islamic people. That so is a sensational. That is absolutely sensational. Praise God! Now you mentioned that you uh, baptized quite a few Islamic people. What what countries uh, were you working in that um, where you were able to accomplish that? Yeah, countries like Tanzania, mm-hmm. Kenya, um, Romania. A few other countries, yes. Yeah, that's 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 very exciting indeed. And uh, I understand that you're working on a project right now for sharing Jesus with people. What's the what's the project that you're working on right now? You're talking about in Australia. Yes. In Australia, we have a fellowship in um, in Buladila, and the reason why we started that was because the community has a lot of people who aren't necessarily Mm anti-God. They would like to get to know God, but they're frightened to step in churches. They don't trust churches. They have a problem with, I don't know if it's the steeple kind of, um, you know, syndrome. They're just, churches don't appeal to them. But we set up a little hall 
and um, just a public hall and we have a fellowship there and we sing hymns and we have a message and we have a meal together. Okay, so for those, for those, for those people who are not familiar with uh, this part of the world, of course, that's not too far from Newcastle here. But, 90, um, 96 k's. 96 kilometres from Newcastle, where we're transmitting from. Um, and so for those people who are not exactly – how big of a town is Bulladilla? It's 1,200 people, but it has a catchment of about 5,000 people. Okay. And uh, at this little fellowship that you've got organised there, how many people do you have coming along? Up to 140. Oh, wow. That's sensational. Praise God. And are there many other churches in Bulladilla? There are. There's an Anglican church, there's a Catholic church, there's a Uniting church, and there's a Mormon church. Okay. Well, it's a spiritual community then, I guess. And that's uh, fantastic that you're able to do an outreach there. Now, I understand that your wife works in the Bulladilla community. Is that right? Yes, yeah, she's the the only doctor in town. Yes. <laughs> the only doctor in town. <laughs> yes. Yeah, great. So that would um, – is, is that an opportunity then where she can actually um, talk to people about Christ? Is that something she can yeah, do? Yeah, well, my, my wife actually does all the inviting of people to come to the – the the program she she goes and personally knocks on doors and invites people to come to the program. Mm, fantastic, and uh, you've been doing this for the last. This has been set up over the last seven years. Is that correct? Uh, no, three years. Oh, the last seven three years. years. We started three, seven years since we started doing all the evangelism all over the world. We do three of those a year. Yep. But three years since we started. See, we so we're thinking we're going all over the world. And yet, here's our front door. What are we doing here in Australia? So we decided to do the fellowship. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a good question for people to, to, you know, to ask themselves. Like, you know, is there a mission field right where I am? And the answer is always yes. Yeah, and it's remarkable that somebody from a little town of Bulladilla is uh, doing evangelism uh, around, right around our planet in so many different places. And praise God for what... Um, for what God is using you to do. Now, in your, uh, in your lecturing and, and that kind of work, do you have opportunity to share Jesus? Always. I have students. I have, a, I have students who we formed um, friendships, you know, for life. And I currently, let me just give you an example. I have sure. a student who was very bright and he was the youngest MBA in Australia to get a Master of Business Administration. He was only 22. I took him on as a business partner. We, we formed a couple of companies. We did a couple of business ventures and he's given himself to God and has become a Seventh-day Adventist Christian in the last a few months. Oh, that's Praise fantastic. Praise God. It's, it's, so, yes, we, we share the gospel wherever we go. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um, we've just got a couple of minutes left. Have you got time to tell us one of your stories uh, from maybe overseas? Yeah, look, I'll tell you something amazing. You know, I'm not one of these people that um, that are big on miracles and that sort of thing, but I was in um, Nairobi in a slum, and I wanted to preach. I was preaching on a special subject on Calvary that night, and it had been raining for four days, and I'd lost every opportunity to speak those four nights, and we mm. had thousands of people in a crowd, hundreds and hundreds of Muslims. And I remember a few African ministers coming and praying with me that day that God would stop the rain. And, you know, a rainbow rose up over the ground and thousands of people came and we were able to do an appeal and about 540 Muslims came forward and gave their life to Jesus. that's that's just amazing. Rui, we are out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to Faith FM. We'll be back in just a moment with more of our breakfast show. That was awesome, Rui. Thank you so much. Well, yeah. Good on you. And sorry Thank for the you. sorry for the technical difficulties that we're having. We've been having them all That's morning, cool. but. Um
fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real, and real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. 
Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it a care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs>